Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, I'm Ken Rundle, and as we emerge from yet another strange spring, I'm joined again by Yara's country arable agronomist, Natalie Wood. Natalie, just now farmers have all this season's issues to address, but as usual, they can't ignore the future and the fertilizer merchants nipping at them for next season's orders. We'd all understand if they just repeated last year's list, but you're urging them to take more time. Rushing things could be wasteful. Yeah, I mean, we don't want farmers to get to next spring and wonder how they're going to apply their P, K and S when they've got a shed full of straight nitrogen um, when these new season prices come out. So um, if you think about the applications, then you only really need straight nitrogen, a small percentage of the time. So we just want people to plan ahead um, so they're not stuck next spring. And also remember that soils don't stay the same, not, not just to assume that everything under the ground is, is exactly the same as it was last year. No, so yeah, we always advocate doing regular regular soil sampling. Um, and yeah, particularly in years like this where we, we've not really much idea how much nitrogen's come, come through because of the strange weather conditions. Now, in past conversations, you've stressed the significance of sulphur. Is that still the case? Um, I mean, yes would be the quick answer. Um, Soil samples still show that the majority of UK arable soils are highly deficient in sulphur and therefore you can't really rely on them much, um, if any, from the soils alone. Um, So we need, we know that sulphur is almost as important as nitrogen to the plant um, and it needs that sulphur to take up and utilise the nitrogen efficiently. Um, And that's becoming ever more important to efficiency of nutrient uptake on farm. So the more we can do to improve that value, the better really for the farmer's pocket and for the environment. Um, and as I've mentioned before, the source of sulfur is also important. So if we're applying sulfur at the first nitrogen timing, we want to we want the crops to take it up as quickly as possible. So we need to use a source of sulfur that's immediately plant available, and that's the, the sulfate form. Um, and then one last point on sulfur is that the timing is also important. Um, If it's applied all in one go in early spring, then it will leach and potentially be lost to the crop, same as nitrogen would be. Um, And therefore, applying sulfur little and often is the key to to meeting that crop demand throughout those main growth stages. And the the return on investment for sulfur is great because wheat is typically about five to one. And even better on oilseed, you're looking at about seven to one. So it's definitely a a worthwhile investment. Well, that's uh, straight N and sulfur mentioned, but I assume the other key plant nutrients, phosphate, potash, P and K, shouldn't be forgotten either. Yeah, exactly. Um, P and K are also key nutrients for plant growth, and for these, the timing of them is the most important aspect. Uh, Phosphate in particular is a tricky nutrient once it's applied to the soil. It likes to bond with iron and aluminium ions or precipitate out with calcium ions, and therefore it does become unavailable to the plant, um, especially in the season that it's been applied. So Therefore, the way to get around this is to apply the nutrient just before that crop demand is at its highest, which is March to May. Um, and 70% of phosphate is taken up in a small six to eight week period. Therefore, it makes sense to apply it when it requires it. Um, and then less P is likely to be lost. Um, and in order to ensure that we've got an even longer supply of phosphate, you can use a product um, that has different forms of phosphate in it, such as dicalcium phosphate, for example, which is only made available when the plant root exudes those acids that, um, that dissolve it, or polyphosphate, which is broken down into orthophosphate over a longer period of time. 
Before we go on to talk about products in more detail, just to mention, you've already mentioned this difficult season. It's certainly where I am. It's been a, a very cold spring. Um, is the, are the conditions this year likely to make any difference um, to, as far as farmers are concerned? That, that, that window you've just been talking about that wouldn't be affected? Yeah, um, it, we did have very cold weather initially, but I think um, between March and May, we did have that short spell where soils did warm up. They need to be over eight degrees, really, for the phosphate to become available in the soil. So we should have got enough. But obviously now the issue before this rain we've had recently was the dry conditions. So it's kind of in one boat and out into the, the other. So it's it's a difficult one. Well, well, let's go on then to the products you recommend for, for farmers, bearing in mind this is next season we're talking about. Yeah, um, so for that first application, then an NPKS product is ideal, really. Um, we've got lots of greys that would be a good fit for that first spring timing, but um, an ideal one would be Yaramila Activa S, which is 16, 15, 15 plus 6.5% SO3. Um, I mean, you could use that all the way through the season if you wanted a really simple regime, um, but normally following applications would be an NS product such as Yarabella Axan, which is 27% nitrogen and 9% SO3. Um, so therefore, you've got your MPKS as that first dressing, and then the remainder is generally an NS product. So you can really see there is very little need for, for straight nitrogen, really. And that's uh, that's the key message all the way through. I suppose we've just talked about the content of fertilisers, but we haven't mentioned so far their physical characteristics. And that's the kind of thing that can affect spreading rates and so on. And it shouldn't be forgotten either. No, so the, the quality of the fertiliser really affects the spreadability of it. I mean, if we have a weak fertiliser particle, then it's likely to shatter on impact with the spread of veins. As you can imagine, they're travelling very fast and the speed of impact is therefore high. So um, what we need really is a product with a high strength score. So we're talking seven or above, ideally, to cope with the speeds required to, to travel over 30 metres. Um, prills by nature aren't as strong as granules and also they don't travel as far um, we've, we've spoken about this analogy before but you can think of a prill as being a ping pong ball versus a granule that's a golf ball um, and it's a good analogy because it shows the difference in how far they'd travel if you threw them so if you want to spread to over 32 meters or in particularly windier conditions for example then a heavier granule is the better option um, Another aspect of getting a good spread pattern is using a compound fertilizer so that all the, the nutrients are in one prill or granule rather than different sizes and shapes. Because um, when you're applying a blend where the MP, K and S are separate, then you have to set the spreader up for the most important nutrient, which of course is the nitrogen. Um, and that then means you're compromising on the others in there because they would have different spreader settings in an ideal world for their size and shape. Um, but if all the nutrients are in one particle, then each landing site contains MPK and S analysis that's on the bag and there's no variability there. And also you're not going to get any segregation in the hopper. Um, for example, if we think of Activa S, our MPKS product that I mentioned versus blend, then in one meter squared, there's up to 10 times more landing sites for phosphate and even more for potash. So you, it means that the crop's getting a, an even application of all that desired analysis. And you're delivering it closer to the plant. Yeah, exactly. So if you've got those um, more landing sites, then as you say, you're going to get more chance of getting those MPKNS into into each plant rather than having one particle over here and then another one 
a foot away, for example. Whichever farm ministers we hear from at the moment, they're all talking about the future of agricultural policy and support. And that's always linked to words like environment, climate change and emission targets. It's clear those are going to get tougher, which might affect fertiliser choices, you think? Yeah, um, and I think, yeah, all of them are probably going to to affect fertiliser choices in one way or another. Um, We want farmers to be profitable and be able to provide enough food for the the growing population. Um, But obviously, at the same time, they're restricting usage of various inputs. So it is a difficult situation. Um, In terms of fertiliser, then there are a couple of important points. One is the nutrient use efficiency. Um, And this is one way that we can produce more from less by improving efficiencies of nitrogen and other nutrients. Um, One way of doing this is to use tools such as Yara's end tester that tells you how much nitrogen is in the crop and therefore how much more needs to be applied. Um, This often ends up with a, a saving of nitrogen at the end of the season and it's invaluable in a season such as we're having this year with prolonged drought conditions as we're not sure how much nitrogen has actually been taken up by the crop. Hopefully now there will be a flush since we've had this rain. But again, that can cause an issue because the the reading might say that there's a lot of nitrogen in there when actually there there still needs to be a little bit applied. But but that tool takes the guesswork out of of that, which is great. Another important issue is emissions, of course, and whether that be in fertilizer production or on farm. Um, Yara's abatement technology means that our fertilizer is amongst the lowest in terms of carbon dioxide emissions during production. Um, but as well as the CO2, then obviously ammonia emissions are obviously high on the agenda as well, which the government has targets to dramatically reduce. Um, and if you want the, the lowest form, then ammonium nitrate has the lowest ammonia emissions. Um, urea has high ammonia emissions and certainly in a dry spring like we've had this year, then it would have volatilized significantly. So meaning a high um, ammonia emission from using urea. Uh, We're also working towards green ammonia, um, which we've covered in more detail in a previous podcast, so I won't go into it too much, but in a nutshell, it's basically ammonia production from renewable energy rather than fossil fuels. And then that goes on as a component of ammonium nitrate production. So therefore it's making that whole process more sustainable. Good. So to summarise, Natalie, what are the key things that farmers should be bearing in mind as they look down to next year's order? Yeah, so don't don't rush your decisions, really, or be pushed into ordering what you had last year without any planning. Um, make sure you take into account P, K and S requirements and really think about how much straight nitrogen is actually needed. Uh, if you want to spread to larger bout widths, make sure you take the physical characteristics of the fertilizer into account when you're choosing a product. And then finally, if you want to make conscious choices towards sustainability and improving the environment, take this into account when choosing a fertilizer too. And this is only going to become more important as the government puts more pressure on us to meet those clean air targets, etc. So those are the bullet points. But if farmers want to hear more in more detail, I understand there's going to be a Yara webinar planned for later in May uh, when you look at more of these issues. Yeah, so um, we're going to cover new season nitrogen in greater detail, as well as um, provide you with some data that can give you more information for informed decision making when it comes to ordering your fertilizer for next season. So just keep an eye on the Yara website. Yeah. Thank you very much. So the key message, don't let yourself be rushed into ordering your fertilizers. Time taken now and pausing for thought could save money and avoid problems later. 
Thank you, Natalie Wood. I'm Ken Rundle, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another Yara podcast. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.